Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, Lord. I can't even understand your love, but Lord, we come tonight to just encounter you. God, to enter into the never-ending flow of your love, God. From before the beginning of time, you loved us. God, you've loved us with an everlasting love, love that led you to leave heaven and come to earth to look for your lost children. Thank you for calling us to yourself. Thank you that we stand in relationship with you. And thank you, God, that you invite us into your purposes. Ask right now, Lord, that as we prepare for this evening of prayer, God, that you would just still our hearts. Give us faith, Lord. Give us an understanding of your heart. Draw us into your heart, God. And help us to join in the ceaseless flow of prayer. Jesus, thank you that you stand at the right hand of God, interceding for the world, and we want to join you there, Lord, tonight. Bless every person that's entered this room tonight. I pray, God, for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts, God. Give us new wineskins in our hearts to receive what you want to pour out tonight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You guys can have a seat for a minute or two. Uh, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Greg Johnson, one of the leaders at Sanctuary Church. We're so glad you guys are here tonight. And uh, this is an evening for us of prayer and seeking God. And so I just want to kind of set us up for that a little bit. And um, I want to start out by talking about lightning. Did anyone uh, see the thunderstorm on Thursday night? Are any of you guys outside for that? How many of you like thunderstorms? How many of you are scared to death of thunderstorms? How many of you, both? <laughs> it's like the greatest entertainment. I just remember as a kid being at, going up to the lake cabin where I grew up in Washington State in the summer, and when we could tell that there was a thunderstorm coming, I was always so excited. We would sit under the porch as the rain came down, and we would just wait for the lightning, and then we'd count five seconds. You know, to, the speed of light is really fast. The speed of sound is 1,100 feet per second. So we'd see how far away the lightning was. I remember my dad telling me how lightning was formed, just sitting under the porch. I was like, how does that happen? And dad was smart and he would tell me, you know, something about the dust and the water molecules and the thunderhead rubbing against each other, building up almost like a battery. As these particles would build up, there's this huge charge that would begin to develop between the cloud and the earth, right? And um, of course, the cloud and the earth are separated by thousands of feet, and air is a terrible conductor of electricity. And so that charge would have to build and build and build and build until finally it was big enough to bridge the gap, right? And that, that's when the lightning would come. And at that point, the lightning looks for the path of least resistance, right? Oftentimes, it's maybe a tree or a mountaintop or a building. That's why you don't want to be out alone in a boat on a lake during a lightning storm, right? You don't want to be out on a golf course because you might be the path of least resistance. Amen? And um, that's why they build lightning rods, right? Lightning rods are like, are these basically wires you put up on top of the house and then you take a wire and you stick it deep into the ground so that it can take that charge. Sometimes... 
And the, the middle of a lightning bolt is 55,000 degrees, hotter than the, the surface of the sun. So much energy. And so lightning rods divert that power, you know, outside the building so it doesn't blow up or anything. Um, but I remember my dad telling me that if you're ever out in a lightning storm, you begin to feel the hairs of your head stand on end. At that point, you should stand up and take notice, right? Because at that point, what's happening is there's that literally a charge is building up inside of you. That's why all the hair goes different ways because it's a positive charge or a negative charge and they're pushing aside and actually you are about to become the lightning rod. Does that make sense? And so my dad's like, if that ever happens, you got to seek shelter. You know, get under something, get away, get out from the middle so the lightning doesn't come through you. We intercede, we engage in intercessory prayer for the same reason that a lightning bolt forms. Because there is a tremendous gap between heaven and earth. We intercede for that same reason because there's a tremendous distance between heaven and earth. I want to talk about intercessory prayer tonight. I want to share three reasons why we're called to intercession. And then I want to share three ways that we engage in intercession. But that first reason that we intercede is because, isn't, isn't it true that there's a tremendous gap between what's happening, what God wants to happen in heaven, and when we look around this broken world, what we see around us, amen? That's why Jesus tells us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven, right? First reason we pray, we engage in intercession because Jesus, his heart is broken about the gap, about the difference, about the way that the earth, our relationships, our families, our neighborhoods, our cities, our politics, all, our friendships, our racism, all these things are so broken here and they're not what God wants. And so that's one reason why we're called to intercession is because we want to bridge the gap. Second reason we're called to intercession is that God has always been looking for human beings to partner with, to bridge the gap. God could, in a moment, in a snap of his fingers, he could reach down and he could change everything on the world, but he's not ever been interested in that. I don't know why, it'd be much easier, but for some reason he wants us to be involved. And God is actually looking for men and women to stand in the gap between heaven and earth. Check out this verse from Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel 22, uh, verses 29 through 30. The people of the land have practiced extortion, committed robbery. They've oppressed the poor and the needy and, uh, and exploited the foreign resident without justice. Sound familiar? I have searched for a man among them. I have searched for a man among them to repair the wall and stand in the gap before me. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand in the gap. Stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. But unfortunately, so that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God's been looking since the beginning of the human story for human beings to stand in the gap between the purposes of heaven and earth and to, and to engage in intercessory prayer, right? You can list them off. Abraham, right? God argues with Abraham whether he should destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham convinces him not to. 
unless he could find 10 righteous people. Moses, God, you can't wipe out Israel. If you did, what would the nation say about you? God says, all right, fine, I won't wipe out Israel. Daniel, Nehemiah, all throughout. But ultimately, the greatest of all intercessors was Jesus himself. This is the third reason we intercede. We intercede because Jesus interceded. Jesus was the intercessor. And it's not just that we want to, what would Jesus do? He would intercede, and that's why we intercede. We intercede to follow his example, but we also intercede because all of our intercession, all of our prayers that try to bridge heaven and earth depend on the fact that Jesus already accomplished it. Does that make sense? Jesus completed the great act of intercession, right? In his incarnation, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension, Jesus bridged the gap between heaven and earth. He bridged the gap between a holy God and a sinful humanity. And so everything we do stands on Jesus' shoulders. Jesus' victory was like if World War II buffs, like the Battle of Normandy. After the Battle of Normandy, the war was over. There were other battles that had to be fought, though, afterwards, you know, to go take Berlin and whatnot. And that's where we are in the story. Jesus has stormed the beaches, and he has, he has won the decisive victory. But God still wants partners. He wants us to join in Jesus' prayers and complete the job. Jesus le- legally brought heaven to earth in his death and resurrection, but he wants us to be the executive branch and to implement his victory, to enforce it. Does that make sense? This is what John Wesley says, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. And so the reason we intercede is because God, there are things God wants to do. There are things God wants to do in our time in this place, but he's waiting for us to participate with him to join with him in intercessory prayer as we call heaven down to earth. I want to share three aspects of intercession. For some of you, it's going to sound like a complicated idea. Part of that's true. It's a complicated idea. In order to learn it, we have to do it. And that's kind of what we're going to do tonight is intercede, all right? But I just want to give you a framework for it want to do a little teaching so we understand what we're doing. So the first part of intercession is that we have to ground ourselves. All right, once you go back to the lightning, think about a lightning rod. Lightning rod has to be grounded. Right? Any of you electricians in the room had electrical work done on your house, ever seen an electrical wire? Anything that's hooked up to an electrical box in this country has to be grounded, right? And at my house, we, they literally took these eight-foot copper tubes and pounded them into the earth. Does that make sense? And so in intercessory prayer, it's the same thing. We have to somehow attach ourselves to the things, the people, the places that we're praying for. Does that make sense? We have to attach ourselves emotionally, spiritually, geographically, monetarily, physically. Somehow we have to connect our hearts, our bodies, our minds with the people we're praying for. We have to have skin in the game. 
Does that make sense? If you go to court, if you go before the Supreme Court and you want to argue a case, the first question they'll ask is, do you have legal grounds? I.e., does this case actually implicate you in some way? Otherwise, you can't bring a suit to the Supreme Court. You have to be, have skin in the game. You have to be involved, right? Praying without being personally implicated in what we're praying for is kind of like playing poker with no money. It's the same card rules, but we have to be invested. Does that make sense? I want you to think about Jesus and how Jesus was invested in humanity. God could have stayed far away, but he actually wanted skin in the game. Literally. God became Jesus in order to have skin in the game, to be one of us. And so that's, that's a question for us is, are, who are we already grounded to? Who are you grounded to? Who are you connected to? Is it your family, your city, your neighborhood, your nation? Pastor Rick is grounded. He's identified with Robert F. Kennedy School. He became head of the PTA. He cares so much about it. Part of the reason we're doing this all-night prayer tonight is because a friend of mine inspired some of us to think about an all-night prayer um, his name's Christian. He's a pastor from New York City. He was telling me a story about his church. His church was grounded in this neighborhood, identified in this neighborhood in Brooklyn in the 1980s during the, the crack ep epidemic. And this church had, had property in the neighborhood. Many of them lived in the neighborhood their whole lives. And so their hearts were broken as they watched the, the drugs come into town. They watched lives begin to fall apart around them. They watched kids die in violence, die of overdoses. They watched the neighborhood literally fall apart in front of them. And they said, we're connected to this. We have to, we have to do something. God wants to ground us. He wants us to identify with places of brokenness in the world, and that's part of intercession. Maybe God is actually laying somebody on your heart tonight, laying a group of people on your heart. Sometimes when we pray, God actually literally gives us a gift of identification. So we're praying for people, we begin to feel what they would feel. We feel them. We feel their own heart, their feelings, their their life situation and it, it breaks our hearts sometimes when we're praying the way to ground ourselves is actually for our prayers to become personal maybe a group of folks tonight are going to pray about some areas and we're praying about the church for something but one of you realize oh man actually we're praying about the church but we're really praying about me and you might shy away from that but I think the Lord wants you to lean into it the Lord tonight would say, actually, no, I want to start praying for the church or the city by praying for myself. And that's a way of grounding yourself. So we have to identify. Second thing, though, after we're grounded, is that we actually have to connect ourselves to heaven. We literally have to reach up and connect ourselves to heaven. Now, in, this, in the spiritual realms right now, Ephesians 2 says we're actually seated in the heavenly realms. 
right? Our position as believers is actually we're with Jesus at the throne of God, right? It's just the problem is sometimes we don't always think that way. Sometimes we think from a worldly perspective. And so the second thing in intercession is we're actually asking God for a divine perspective. We're asking him to show us what is true from his perspective. Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And so part of what we have to do is we have to ask God, what is your perspective? What are the truths that the scripture promises? Now, a lot of times when we're in a situation that feels hopeless or overwhelming, we pray from our own perspective. But when we intercede, we're actually asking, God, what do you see? He wants us to pray from heaven to earth. Does that make sense? As it is in heaven, so will it be on the earth. I have a um, friend that works at uh, Amherst College, and they've experienced a revival at Amherst. Part of that revival has come out of prayer. It's come out of these prayer meetings that have happened. Folks, years ago, were just broken for the campus. Nobody, it was just an incredibly spiritually dead place. And there were, there were these folks, um, exchange students from Africa, that were just couldn't believe it. And they, they said, we just need to pray and ask God to change this place. And they prayed for like 10 years. Students graduated and the prayer meetings continued, right? To the next group, to the next group. And it was a small group until finally God began to break through. And now there's this incredible prayer meeting that happens all the time. And they always try to pray from a heavenly perspective. And the way they start the meeting is they actually say, let's go around the room and share what we think God is not able to do, right? What, what would be too hard for God to do? Does that make sense? Like, that's an interesting way to do it. But I want you to think about it right now. Think about your lives. Think about the things that you care about right now. And what is beyond your level of faith that God could do it? Just even think about it right now. What is it in your mind that God actually couldn't do? According to your current level of faith. And my friend, he would say, all right, we're just going to go and share it with each other. And then we're going to pray for God to do it. And that's a way of being connected to heaven. All right. So the third thing that we have to do in intercession, right, we have to ground ourselves by identifying with a place of brokenness and attach ourselves and connect ourselves to heaven What do you think the third thing we do in intercession is? We stay there. (laughs) How many many of you go to the gym and do uh, planks? I did planks today, 40 seconds. Sometimes staying in the tension is hard, amen? Right? Sometimes some of us in our prayer lives... We're so way up in the heavens. We're like, yeah, Lord, just send revival everywhere. Just pour it out, you know. But there's actually nothing we're connected to. There's no specific place that's breaking our heart, right? There's no specificness to our prayers because we're not actually hooked in anywhere. Others of us, we're just in the dirt. We're so in it that we can't see what God wants to do. Our faith is small. Our hope for breakthrough is small. Right? I don't know what kind of person you are. Sometimes we waffle in between the two, but God wants us to actually stay in the tension. 
to stay there and to pray from that place. And so Christian's church, they were broken up about the neighborhood, but they said, you know what we need to do? The church was, I mean, they didn't have a choice. The church was aging, it was dying, it was financially insolvent. Nobody from the next generation was coming to fill the pews. And so they said, we're just gonna do the only thing we can. We're gonna fast and pray. We're gonna meet regularly to fast and pray through the night. We are grounded in this neighborhood, but we're gonna take hold of the fact that God seems to be able to do miracles and he responds when we ask, and we're gonna fast and pray. And do you know how long they stayed in the tension? For three years, they fasted and prayed for the neighborhood. And guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. But that's intercessory prayer. Now, what will happen if we stay in that tension? What will happen, church? What will happen? Three things will happen. First of all, we will experience pain. Experience agony. Think about plank position. Think about the stretching. It is painful to live in that tension. It's painful to live in between heaven and earth, asking God, would you please move? I can't deal with this, right? It's painful. It's either easy, lose hope, stop praying, or just become apathetic and overly spiritualized. But it's hard to stay in the middle and to pray from that place. But friends, Jesus, the great intercessor, was stretched for us. He took on the one hand the holiness of God. On the other hand, the brokenness of humanity. And in an act of mercy, he stretched himself out in between the two in love. And out of that tension came what? New life. Came power. That's why Paul talks about prayer and intercession as almost like birth pain. I mean, he's a guy, so he didn't physically experience birth, but it is a productive, fruitful pain. But it's painful. God is inviting us, friends, to be willing to be stretched between heaven and earth and to pray for God's will to be done in specific places. The second thing that will happen if we're willing to stay stretched between the two is that we will grow spiritually. We will, we will grow. A lot of times God doesn't answer the prayer immediately. Why? Why, doesn't, why did God wait three years for this church before anything happened in the neighborhood? Why doesn't it come instantly? A lot of times it's because we're actually not ready for the breakthrough we're asking for. And that actually in that tension between, as we pray and we pray and we don't give up, God actually wants to do something in our heart. He wants to enlarge our heart. He wants to strengthen the walls of our soul. We have a shriveled up wineskin in our heart and God wants to give new wine, but guess what? The wineskin in our heart is not able to hold, to steward the outpouring that God wants to give. And so it has to be what? It has to be stretched. God has to stretch it and make it new and make more room to pour out the new wine. And I believe God holds back. He's waiting for us to engage in prayer so that we can be spiritually strengthened enough to be the mothers and fathers of the next generation of revival that will come, right? 
Many of us aren't ready right now. How do we get ready? We get ready by praying. That's the only way God's people have ever gotten ready for revival is they have engaged in concerted, unstopping prayer. They've learned persistence and perseverance in the place of prayer. And then when God saw that they were ready, he released the breakthrough. Third thing that happens when we stay stretched between heaven and earth is that we position ourselves to release power. Turn to your neighbor and say power. So back to electricity, my friend Matt likes to go to Harbor Freight where there's cheap um, tools and he got me, uh, he's an engineer, so he got me a multimeter. A multimeter measure, you can measure if a battery works, you can measure amperage, but the other thing you can measure is something called continuity, right? Somebody say continuity. Continuity is basically a test, will current pass through this item, right? Will this item conduct power? Will it allow power to move from one end of it to the other? Does that make sense? Am I making sense? And so when we stay positioned between heaven and earth, we actually become a lightning rod. If we're willing to stay there long enough, we actually form continuity between heaven and earth, spiritual continuity. And as we speak from that place, power will get released onto the earth. I think about Ezekiel in the Valley of the Dry Bones. He had to go in the middle of the dry bones, so he's there, and God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, I don't know, God. And God says, yes, they can. I want you to speak to them. I want you to speak to the bones and prophesy to the bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And he did, right? And what happened? The dry bones lived. And so it is with us. We actually prepare ourselves to release power when we stay in between heaven and earth and pray from that place. Why am I talking about lightning to you tonight? Because the Lord told me to. I just said, God, what do you want me to talk to them about tonight? And he's, he said, I want you to talk to them about lightning. And I was like, I don't know how to preach a sermon on lightning, God. What it, why? But the more I thought about lightning, uh, there's something about it that just moved my heart, just moved me. It's like, it's lightning. I just, I feel like if I just went up there and I said lightning to them, they would, something would happen. Then I began to go back and think about it. Guys, over the past several years, we've had praying people in the church, people listening to God. And over and over, one set of kind of themes, which all, in my opinion, revolve around lightning, have been spoken of our church. We've had, we've had images of the glory of God hovering low above this church. There have been, been some Sunday mornings where it almost feels like the veil between heaven and earth has torn open. And the presence of God came down, touched down in this place for, for moments, for brief moments. One intercessor had a, had a clear image that actually the enemy was going to stitch it back up. It was a clumsy stitch job. I mean, it could break even more open. I've had people come in off the streets at heart and say, we need to turn up the temperature. They're, they don't come to our church, but they're like, God gave me a word for this church. We need to turn up the temperature on prayer. Somebody else said they had a word. We need to activate the intercessors. We need to activate people into prayer. 
God told Andrew, you're not supposed to change the channel on seeking me for revival, on seeking me for the power of the Spirit. And then at the beginning of this last season on prayer, we said we had the sense we need to do a series on prayer. And at the beginning, a bunch of people were praying about it, and they had, again, an image of God, the power of God hovering low over the church, just right here. But for some reason, nobody was standing up. Nobody was reaching for it. Nobody was trying to take hold of it. Nobody was trying to activate it in any way. We're just, it was there, but we were just doing our thing. And God was almost saying, here I am, friends. I want to release power. But for some reason, we, whether it's we didn't know how, we didn't want to, we were too busy binge-watching Netflix, I don't know what it was, but it's just we weren't doing anything. And so we had the sense, again, we have to activate God's people into prayer. So as I was thinking about the message, I started reading a book on intercessory prayer. And I, I stopped halfway through and I picked up in the middle. And the title of the chapter was The Lightning of God. And I was like, okay. And then as I was getting ready to write this thing, this talk on Thursday, I was driving to pick up my son Silas, and there was this lightning storm. It was like right there. You guys all saw it. And I saw these bolts of lightning coming down. And I just sensed in my spirit, God saying, that's what I want to do. So I believe that if, if we could see with spiritual eyes right now, we would see an electric cloud of God's presence hovering low over our church, over this place, and I believe over the city. And if we could see with spiritual eyes, if you looked at your neighbor, you would actually literally see the hair on their head standing up right now. You'd see that God is beginning to, he wants to form us into lightning rods for his power in this time and in this place. He wants to form you into a lightning rod for his power. He wants your feet to be grounded. He wants you attached to heaven and he wants you to start praying until the breakthrough comes. He wants us to do that. And the question is, what will we do, church? The hairs are standing on your head. Will you duck and cover? Will you go hide? Will you go back to things the way we've normally done them? Or will we say yes to our calling? as a church and mediate God's power in this time, in this place. Tonight, we're going to pray. We're going to enter in. So I don't care. If you don't want to pray, just leave. Go ahead. But the rest of us, we're going to lean in. And I'm just going to pray for us right now. God, I ask you to make us intercessors. I ask you to activate us, God. I ask you to increase our faith to believe that there's power, that you want to move in this moment, in this time, and in this place, Lord. And if that's you, you want to ask God for faith for that, I just invite you to put up your hands right now. Lord, and I just pray you begin to increase our faith, that you do nothing except through believing prayer, God, and you are longing for breakthrough to come to the city of Providence, to Rhode Island, and beyond and that you want us to begin opening our mouths and declaring, calling heaven down to earth. 
I pray, God, that tonight would actually lead us, would be a line in the sand for us, that we would step across it and we wouldn't go back, that you would activate our prayer life, God. You would activate this church as a praying church, other churches as praying churches, God. Prepare us as lightning rods for the power that you want to release for the kingdom of God and revival in, in this city. We ask it in Jesus' name. We're just gonna, just gonna pray. I wanna invite you to begin just praying. We're gonna worship. These songs are actually just musical prayers to God. So as we sing, we're, we're already starting praying. You can sing along. I also think some of you just need to talk to God. You could come up around the room anywhere. You could do anything you want to, but we want you to engage with God right now. And I want you to actually engage with God about that call to pray. Engage with him right now. Talk to, talk to God about it. Begin praying about that. desire for greater hunger for him, greater openness, greater passion for God, knowing that's where you want to be in that place of deep hunger and expectancy and you're not. Bring that before God. Pray as you can, not as you can. Cry out to God to be honest with wherever you're at. With eloquence or simplicity, we cry out to you, Lord. We're devoting, Lord, these 24 hours Lord, till we close our east side gathering tomorrow, Lord, we are going to be praying in this space, crying out to you, Lord. And so we pray, Lord, fill our minds, our hearts, our lips, God, with things to offer back to you. God, we ask, we're going to ask you so much, Lord, so much that's fickle and faulty and wrong and so much that is beautiful. But Lord, we pray all of it is honest and and true, Lord, to where we are and what we desire. 
may we find our desires changed as we enter into your presence, Lord. May we find our, our hearts cry, Lord, aligned with yours. May we just know what it is to be in harmony with you as we seek you, as we pray for our friends, as we pray for our neighbors, as we pray for our city, as we pray for our church, Lord. These three words will mark our time. These three simple words in our time. In our time, Lord, we know the things that you've done. We've heard stories of what you've done in the past in this city, Lord, in this country, in this world. Lord, when we read the scriptures, we've seen the things that you've done and we're asking, Lord, do it again in our time. In our time, through me, through us, this place, 